Hello and welcome to the pod. I'm Nathan Fink. I'm Jolyn Drennan and this is New Hampshire Family Now. A show about building family in the Granite State. Today on the show, JoLynn starts her soccer career. We talk about equity versus equality. And Aaron Pettengill, board president of Family Support New Hampshire, joins us. New Hampshire Family Now is brought to you by the New Hampshire Charitable Foundation. Since 1962, the Charitable Foundation has worked hand-in-hand with generous and visionary citizens to maximize the power of giving and support, collaborate, and lead innovative initiatives. Initiatives like New Hampshire Tomorrow, which is focused on making sure children and families have access to education, health care, and career pathways to ensure every family member thrives. To learn more about New Hampshire Charitable Foundation and all their initiatives, go to www. .nhcf.org. Hello, and thank you for joining the podcast. Today, we have a very special welcome back to JoLynn Drennan. Uh, how was your vacation? Uh, it was a staycation. It was nice. It was nice. It was very uh, relaxing. I cleaned. I cleaned up my yard. I gardened um, a little bit. Well, attempted to. Hung out with my family. You know, we. Uh, I've uh, I volunteered to um, coach my son's soccer team, so I'm trying to get uh, prepared for that. Yeah, and you, do you play soccer? No, I don't. Um, oh, that's terrifying. <laughs> It is. It is really terrifying. I feel like the show just took a really abrupt turn (laughs) because I feel like the future of your child's soccer skills are only in your hands. They are. Yeah, they are. I know. And I I actually realized that probably last year was the year we should have um, volunteered because no one cared. We probably bit off a little bit more that we can chew, but I am going to exploit my two nephews who are incredible soccer players. And so any any thoughts on the name of your soccer team? Oh, I don't know. Falcons. The Falcons. Yeah. It's like a That's a good one. I like Thunder Shorts. <laughs> um, well, this is great. As you know, it's uh, Child Abuse Prevention Month. So I'm glad that we can be you know, sitting down doing this recording because there's so many things going on to help raise awareness around child abuse prevention and the strengthening families protective factors so we can make sure that any family has what it needs to be successful. Um, but Jolene, I had a question about this because, you know, when we are trying to assess what it's like out there, how families are doing uh, and individuals and whole populations and communities. Is there a measure by which we can really assess? Yeah. uh, Yeah. So the social determinants of health. So what what are the social determinants of health and how do they help us? Um, the social determinants of health are the conditions in which people are born, grow, live, work and age, um, as well as the interrelated social structures and um, economic systems that shape those conditions. That's a mouthful, though. Is there a way to kind of break that down? Because, you know, it, the, it, it seems like I'm hearing the way in which you were reared and everything that comes with it. What does that mean? Um, so, I mean, it includes the aspects of your social environment. Um, so if you are, um, you know, subjected to discrimination, what your income looks like, what your access um, to education, your education level um, is, your marital status. Um, it's, it's the physical environment. So your um, place of residence, do you live in an apartment? Do you live in a single family home? Do you own? Do you rent? And these tell us what exactly about, I mean, is this a measure of potential? Is this a measure of recorded potential? Like how does it affect a person, a population, a community. So it depends. I mean, the, um, I guess, quality of your life, the quality of, of the, of all aspects of your life, really, they are indicators of, you know, your, essentially your trajectory. Um, and so if you are born into poverty, you are less likely to have the same opportunities as someone who is born into a more affluent family.
family. Um, if you are born in a two-parent household or a single-parent household, that has an effect on, well, statistically, it has an effect on what you are um, able to accomplish. I don't know if you saw that movie Gattaca with uh, Ethan Hawke a while ago, where it's about that predeterminism, you know, and where you can essentially go based on that. Why would a community, a state, or any body be interested in recording those kinds of things? I, I think it's it's valuable to record um, the and, and assess these kinds of conditions because um, if you don't, um, then you can't improve and you can't you know recognize that there are certain you know social problems or uh, or circumstances that are concentrated in a certain area. And so if you uh, map those things and if you're aware of it, then you know you can put the accommodations in place to shore people up and make sure that they have um, you know equitable access. That's where we can start working towards giving people equitable access. Right. Maybe a measure of where you've been so you can change the trajectory of where you're going. Is there anything that you know that we're learning about individuals and populations based on specific determinants of health? So social determinants of health are linked to a lack of opportunity and to a lack of resources to protect, improve, and maintain health. And taken together, these factors are mostly responsible for health inequities. And that's that means the um, the unfair and unavoidable differences in health status between um, and within populations. Can you talk about that? The unfair and unavoidable differences you said? What do we mean by that? So so research suggests that if we can help families um, to access resources and services, that represents two kind of promising strategies to reduce um, child abuse and neglect. Um, and so if you have a family that has low access to resources, but high stress, there's a, a linkage to an increase in the prevalence of child abuse. And so if we can power and invest in infrastructure and support systems to help families access the material resources so that they can cope with stress more effectively. Right. So if we can rebalance the scales where resources outweighs stressors that they face, drastically reduce the prevalence of child abuse and neglect. Also health disparities as well because we know that stress in general is a uh, you know leading cause of a, quite a few health issues across the board. So I also heard you talk a little bit about inequity and uh, which makes me think about the difference between inequity and inequality. And actually, I'm going to reverse that. The difference between equity and equality. I feel like I'm hearing them interchangeably and they mean drastically different things. Yeah, so equality is when everybody has the same thing and equity is when everyone has what they need. You know, so if you grow up in um, an affluent home and you're and you have really good access to, to great health care and health insurance and a good, you know, public school education or private, maybe private school education versus someone who um, is growing up in um, maybe in, in poverty or in a lower, lower income area. You know, they don't have access to great schools. They maybe they don't have access to, to health care, you know, to meet their needs. Um, you know, there's a big push towards equity in where distribution needs to be. But there's also this other side that's rising up that's saying, hey, wait a minute. You know, if if this group or population or individual is getting something, I deserve that inherently too. Yes. So that, that's exactly right. So it's like you're not going to give the same amount of support or resources to someone who's who has good access. You need to take that and, and concentrate it on the, you know, in the areas and in the individuals that um, need more support versus, you know, just giving everybody 
the same thing. And, you know, we're not going to move the needle if we um, give everyone the same thing, because those that have less that are starting, you know, they're, they're starting behind the line. Let, like, let's give them what they need to come up to where you are, you know, an investment. Exactly. All right, Jolene, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm sure you'll be on the podcast next week unless that uh, another weird vacation pops in. Yeah, I love a weird vacation. So you never know. Following the recording of this podcast, JoLynn's legendary soccer coaching career was cut short by an injury suffered on the sideline of the first practice. And when we come back, Aaron Pettengill joins us to talk about supports in the community. Don't go anywhere. This podcast was brought to you by Nixon Peabody, who delivers exceptional legal services for clients in the community by combining high performance, an entrepreneurial spirit, deep engagement, and an unwavering commitment to a culture of collaboration, diversity, and humanity. Nixon Peabody works with universities, hospitals, and nonprofits of every size to maximize impact. For more information, visit nixonpeabody.com. Today's show was also brought to you by the Children's Hospital at Dartmouth-Hitchcock and the Child Advocacy and Protection Program, a multidisciplinary program with the Children's Hospital established to evaluate and provide integrative care to suspected victims of child maltreatment. Together, a team of physicians, advanced practice registered nurses, social workers, nurses, and child life specialists work to provide consultation and evaluations of children who are suspected victims of abuse, so to serve in the best interest of children and families at multiple levels of prevention. For more information about Children's Hospital at Dartmouth-Hitchcock and the Child Advocacy Protection Program, visit www.chadkids.org backslash child advocacy. I'm joined by Aaron Pettengill, the VP of Family Resource Center and President of Family Support New Hampshire. Aaron, welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. So I'd like to start off by having you tell me a little bit about your work as the VP of Family Resource Center at Lakes Region Community Services. Sure. So I'm the Vice President of the Family Resource Center in Central New Hampshire, and our catchment area is all of Belknap County and Southern Grafton County for um, some of our contracts. So it can get a little complicated, but over an overarching view of what we offer is um, parent education classes. Um, we do a lot of home visiting services. We, I mean, pre-COVID, um, we had a lot of play groups coming in and out of the um, office. So we constantly had kids running around, which was honestly one of my favorite things, one of the, my favorite things about this job. And it continues to be, and I can't wait for that to happen again. Um, we offer early supports and services. Uh, I have the autism center under me and um, kind of odds and ends stuff. So we are part of Lakes Region Community Services, which is an area agency. And the one of the unique things that we do is we um, we connect with the area agency in a lot of ways. We provide wraparound services for a lot of families that are involved in the area agency and helping them get whatever whatever they need that the area agency doesn't do. You know, when we talk about services, it feels like we're talking about a really broad category. So what are the types of services that a person like me might engage in at Lakes Region? Sure. Um, we could offer you home visiting services, which is um, a family support specialist coming into your house and talking to you about what your needs are. And if you identified that you um, would like to move or you needed help with budgeting, you know, money's really tight. Uh, the family support specialists will walk you through that process and help you um, figure things out. So it's like, it's a, it's a hand up 
not a handout. Uh, we really walk the journey with families and um, we could offer parent education services. And right now our parent education is via Zoom. I'm hoping that it's going to be hybrid um, in the future. You know, we have 11 different curriculums running right now from active parenting of teens to sober parenting journeys. So we can really, um, we can match you to whatever, you know, interests you, mm-hmm. um, you know, pre COVID we had, we had play groups going on. So you could come in, you could, you know, socialize with some dads and have your kids run around and get some energy out. A lot of times <laughs> the, um, families coming in, are just like, I need a break for a few minutes. Like need to talk to some adults and that, you know, what we provide. I had a question about this too, because a lot of times when my wife and I get in this conversation about whether or not my kids are on track with, you know, development, learning, things like that. And I I don't even know what on track means anymore in this COVID situation. Right. But is that something also a home visitor or a service that you provide where you'll help me think about the ways that my child is developing and what I can do to support that? Yep. So um, specifically Lakes Region Community Services is really on the ball with that because we have early supports and services under our umbrella. So we do um, we do evaluations for kiddos birth to three, even if, you know, if you're having that conversation with your wife and your child is, you know, zero to three. You can refer to us and we will do an evaluation to kind of see where they fall. Um, Apart from that, we have ASQs, which is um, just this evaluation that family support specialists do to see if developmental needs are being met. And when we have the area agency involved with us so tightly that we um, if we feel like there is um, a developmental delay or, you know, they're they're kind of lagging there in like fourth grade, they wouldn't qualify for early supports and services. But we can connect them to the area agency and they can sort of take that piece from there. You did talk a little bit about, you know, pre-COVID and I, I, I am I'm envisioning a world where we're post-COVID. But how have the services that you're offering now changed to accommodate COVID? And, you know, is there a, a return in the future that you're planning on? Yeah. So um, COVID hit. And I say COVID hit because literally I remember sending an email out to all of Family Support New Hampshire on Saturday morning in March. And I don't remember what day, but I said, hey, guys, um, things are shutting down. Are we doing remote home visiting? And that sort of started the conversation. But by Monday, most family resource centers were completely remote. Um, So we pivoted to completely remote and that is quite the shift for a lot of our families. So um, overnight we were having, you know, the week before we were having in-person parent education classes, family, um, <clears throat> family support specialists were going to homes, uh, participating in team meetings. And now that, that touch point's gone. So uh, we worked with families to get tablets, to make sure they had internet. Honestly, at that point, we were making sure they had toilet paper. Um, we were setting families up to be able to access us remotely. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's continuing now. I mean, there's some in-person stuff like socially distance. Um, all my family uh, home visitors are looking forward to spring where they can go outside with families. Um, but I think in the future, we're going to have... Um, We'll have in-person things again, but I think we're always going to offer Zoom. We're always going to offer hybrid because we, it's interesting because we accessed different families via Zoom. So 
we didn't realize that a lot of families, um, well, not a lot of families, but a handful of families weren't comfortable, you know, coming in and doing parent education, but they'll go on Zoom and they'll observe and participate that way. So I think it's going to be a hybrid model, probably for the foreseeable future. That's true. I, I don't think I'm ever going to make a phone call ever again, because it's just <laughs> like, it's, see, it's seeing somebody's response. It's seeing humanity at the other end of the line. You know what I mean? It's uh, Alexander Bell just rolled over and, you know, that grave. <laughs> but, you know, I see you when I see you in meetings or when I'm in a meeting, I see you in almost every meeting I'm in, which means you wear so many different hats. So you're this collector of committees, apparently. But um, and titles now that you're the president of Family Support New Hampshire. So I want to kind of step into that role, which is a vastly different role. How does the position of president of Family Support New Hampshire differ from that as the VP? So my role as the president of the board of Family Support New Hampshire is to not look at Lakes Region Community Services lens, but to look at the statewide network of family resource centers. Um, And a lot of that is connecting um, services to different family resource centers or talking to legislators about the importance of family resource centers. Um, I'm on a lot of different calls that I really do this type of conversation and just sort of educate people on what we offer and what we what we sort of do and, you know, the family strengthening model, you know, resiliency and all of that stuff. And I can and I can say that statewide, every family resource center offers, you know, the core services for their community. And that is really important. And that's one of the things that like, I sort of beat that drum in every meeting that I'm in, but I am in a lot of Yeah, you are. (laughs) I'm sure I'll see you in one today. Um, Now, it seems like that through that lens of the president, it's obviously more of a systems level. What are systems challenges for the network of family resource centers? So I would say that the biggest struggle that we have is that some people don't know who we are. Some people don't know that there's a family resource center in their area. I'm constantly getting emails and phone calls from people that said, hey, I talked to so-and-so and and they told me I need to talk to you about what my community has. That's sort of the conversation that I have. And I think that that's one of the biggest things that I have to do. And one of the biggest goals I have is that everybody in New Hampshire should know that there's a family resource center in your community. And these are the things that they offer. And these, this is how you access it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that knowledge, and I'm just, I mean, I like I said, I've had this type of what is a family resource center conversation with so many different umbrellas. And it, it's, um, I think that that's my primary role. Do you feel like it's that conversation is being heard? Do you feel like people are starting to understand what those resources uh, that are available at a family resource center? Absolutely. Um, I think that family resource centers are getting the, um, not the recognition, but the attention of um, people that recognize that we sort of do these things that prevent further involvement with higher level services. So ultimately, family resource centers are preventative services. We work with families to ensure that they do not reach the level of, you know, DCYF open case or, you know, getting their families, their kids taken away. Like that's our ultimate goal is to help families get to the point where they are resilient 
self-sufficient and they don't need us, need us anymore. Strong. The, the, that position where they're, they're strengthened and they're standing upright. Yeah. So conversely then from challenges um, and lack of awareness, say what are the opportunities that you see that exist now for the network of family support? I see a lot of opportunities. Um, I think that collaboration is one of the biggest opportunities that we have collaborating with DCYF, collaborating with public health, collaborating with hospitals and um, that warm handoff is really what gets families in the door and really what it's what gets families the support that they need. So collaborating and um, working within your community to make sure that all of the services, all, all the doors that kids walk into and families walk into, they have a working knowledge of the supports and services that family resource centers offer and know that they can, they can refer. And I think that that's the biggest opportunity that we have is, is spreading that knowledge statewide to all the services so that they know what we offer. They know who we are. They know that um, we'll wrap around a family and we will do what we need to do to ensure that they're successful. That's great. Uh, I, I'd love for you with that thought in mind, switch your hat back to the VP, because if we're talking about collaboration on a systems level where you look across the state as the president of Families Point, New Hampshire, um, and you say, okay, collaboration is obviously going to be a linchpin to help families connect with services. Can you, in your um, role as the VP at Family Resource Center at Lakes Region, can you show me how collaboration might work for your specific resource center? What would that look like and what? how would that benefit the family? Yes, we have um, a lot of collaboration meetings where we have sort of, <laughs> I'm using air quotes because people can't see me, but the usual suspects in a room and we talk about what we're doing, how we're doing and, you know, families that we're working with. And that that meeting is so successful. And I know it's successful because the next day we'll get a referral or a phone call from the police department and they'll say, Aaron, or, you know, any of my staff, we have this family, we got to work with them. Like we know that you're kind of involved with them. How do we, how do we sort of work together? School districts are the same way. We get a lot of calls from guidance counselors that are like, we know this family's struggling. How do we get this family in your door? Like tell me how we can get this family services that they need. And it's, those types of conversations that now I know that the like we're working together, we're working collaboratively. Right. So by warm handoff and, you know, the, the air quote usual suspects, you mean those players in the in the community that have touch points on the families yeah. and that you yeah. can kind of lean on, say, to to follow a family or watch a family. So to help them along the way, is that what you're, you mean? Exactly. And, you know, I also know that we all work in um, sync really well, especially in the city of Laconia, when COVID um, became uh, a really big deal and things started shutting down, we all got together and we were like, okay, so this is the situation. Kids aren't home. They're not being seen. Like, how do we, how do we wrap around these families knowing that we can't go to their front door and knock? Like we were on the phone with the police department, the school district, different home visiting services in the community, funders, and just trying to figure out how we can work together to continue to support children and families, especially during that time when they desperately needed it. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that because in my experience is when you look over the arc of the state, you're seeing all of these services that exist in the community and finding the threads between them is going to kind of really be uh, determine whether or not we're successful in, in, in raising up families and, and giving them supports. And I'm even thinking about that with regards to mental and beha- behavioral health. You know, these strong community mental health centers that are out there and those connections 
to say the preventative services where you've got this potential for referral change. There's a lot of opportunity in that. Yep. So thank you so much, Erin, for joining us today. I really appreciate your time. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. To learn more about Lakes Region Community Services, visit www.lrcs.org. Again, that's www.lrcs.org. And for more information about Family Support New Hampshire, go to www.fsnh.org. 